We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com podcast. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. If you're joining me right now, thank you guys. Welcome. We're going to be taking your questions and comments throughout the night. If you're listening to the podcast version of this over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, make sure you do give us that rating and review. And of course, Don't forget to subscribe. Lots to talk about tonight. We need to talk about the Lakers and the Pacers and the big reveal of exactly what it is that the Pacers want from the Lakers or wanted. It's not pretty. We'll talk about that. We'll talk a little bit about a deal we love that popped up today. Please find a way to get this one done. But before we dive into all of that, first, yes, this is a solo show. You never know who might pop in over here on the, the LakersNation.com live podcast, but for the time being, it is a solo show, just me tonight. So, me and all of you, let's get to it and talk some Lakers basketball. I gotta say, I just, about 20 minutes ago, finished watching an episode of Legacy, the most recent one, uh, over on Hulu, the, the Lakers documentary. It's fantastic. I I love this thing so much. It's so much fun watching this. Brings back a lot of memories of that era, particularly when I'm looking back at you know like the early '90s and I'm seeing players like like Sedale Threed and Sam Perkins and and players like that. Um, absolutely takes me back. And this this has been a great documentary. But I'll tell you what, as a as a historian, right? That's that was my my beginning into a professional career was as a history teacher. When I look back. At all of that stuff, I think big picture, you know, as easy as it is for us to get caught up in everything going on with this franchise right now, and rightfully so, like there's a lot of reasons to be concerned about what's happening right now and plenty, plenty of things to dive into. But when you step back and you look at things from a historical perspective and you think about where things have been and how many different highs and lows this franchise has gone through over the years, it's pretty incredible. It's, it's pretty amazing what this organization has brought to so many people. And that's been my big takeaway. So far as how many just amazing moments of my life were experienced watching the Los Angeles Lakers. And I know it's the same for a lot of you. So it's been a real treat watching that. If you haven't checked it out yet or over on Hulu, I'd highly recommend that you do it. But let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the Lakers and the Pacers. I know most Lakers fans, it feels like, prefer a deal with the Pacers. We know, look, the Nets, that's not happening. Kyrie Irving, that's done. It's dead. Not going to happen. Kevin Durant is staying in Brooklyn. Fine. Most Lakers fans prefer, if they're going to move Russell Westbrook, they want the Indiana deal. They want Buddy Heald and Miles Turner to come join the Lakers. They don't want a Julius Randle deal. They don't want uh, the, the whatever pieces the Jazz can kind of cobble together, although I do have an interesting one that we'll get into in just a minute. Most Lakers fans seem to want the Pacers deal, and it's been a little weird. It's been a little bit quiet, too quiet, between the Lakers and the Pacers. We've heard about the Lakers maybe being a third team, in a deal between the Knicks and uh, and the Jazz, in a deal that would send Donovan Mitchell to New York. Yet we haven't heard much about the Lakers and the Pacers. Huh. Strange, right? That it's been so quiet. Well, now we kind of have an idea of why, why this has been happening. So Michael Scotto of Hoopsite uh, said that what he's heard, that the initial offer from the Pacers was, if you're going to give us Russell Westbrook, 
Here's what else needs to be in the trade. Now, we've been going back, and we've talked about this a lot on this show, whether or not the Lakers, is it worth it to put both first-round picks, 2027 and 2029, in a deal for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner? And we've had debates going back and forth on that. The Pacers want both those picks, I would assume, unprotected. They want both those picks. They wanted, can't do it now because he's already traded, but they wanted Taylor Horn Tucker, plus they wanted the Lakers to take back Daniel Tice. Yeah, so not just both the first-round picks. They also wanted THT and wanted the Lakers to absorb the salary of Daniel Tice. Now, it's not necessarily that terrible, Tice's salary. Look, he's he's fine on his contract. Make about $9 million this season and next season. That's not terrible. Team option for a third season. Wouldn't that be nice to have a team option for a change for the Lakers instead of all these player options they keep giving out and all that? But still, two years under contract left for Daniel Tice. And there's no minute. The Lakers already have two centers on the roster right now. You'd be getting a third. You'd be getting a starter, a guy who'd get the bulk of the minutes in Miles Turner. You would have four guys who can only play center. When you look at Damian Jones, Thomas Bryant, then you add in Miles Turner, then you add in Daniel Tice. They're only centers. That's it. That uh, You would have four guys who could only play the center position, plus Anthony Davis, who's probably going to play a lot of minutes at center as well. That roster would be a mess, but that's what the Pacers wanted the Lakers to do. And I saw the reaction from a lot of Lakers fans. There were some Lakers fans who said they should do this. I am not in that camp at all. I'm in the camp of, oh my gosh, you hang up the phone on that offer. That is awful. That is really, really terrible. It leaves you in a terrible spot in terms of building out your roster, in terms of actually having a cohesive rotation, in terms of using your resources appropriately, how much money you would have sitting on the bench, how many roster spots you would have tied up in centers that can't all play. I mean, as is, even if the Lakers just brought in Miles Turner, you're talking about one or one of Thomas Bryant or Damian Jones pretty much not playing every single night. And that's a roster spot that's going to be just sitting there on your bench and not really useful. So when you add in a Daniel Tice too, it just makes the deal that much more difficult for the Lakers to actually accept. So no surprise that things have not gone anywhere between the Lakers and the Pacers. Taylor Horton Tucker now gone. The Lakers actually, in terms of the cap situation in terms of making a legal trade could still do this even without Taylor Horton Tucker. If the, the Pacers called up the Lakers and said, you know what, THT, we don't really need him in the deal, but we still want you to take on Daniel Tice. The Lakers could do it, but remember, they'd be absorbing that salary of Daniel Tice, the luxury tax penalties that would come with that. Look, if the Lakers were willing to pay the luxury tax penalties for Alex Caruso or weren't willing to pay it for Alex Caruso, I don't see them being willing to do it for Daniel Tice. And I don't, he's not a terrible player or anything like that. I just don't see them going down that path. So I think that's where things pretty much ended with the Lakers and the Pacers. You're not going to come to a deal if that's what the Pacers are expecting in return for their two guys. And here's what, what really gets me. I put this out there on Twitter earlier today. What really gets me in this situation is Miles Turner. Miles Turner is on an expiring contract. And see, there's two kinds of guys on expiring contracts. There's Russell Westbrook, where everybody is saying, oh, my goodness, thank the heavens that Russell Westbrook's contract is expiring. Okay, I mean, I'm not trying to take a shot at Russell Westbrook, but let's face it. If he had $47 million per year and four years left on the deal, there's no trading him. You're not going to be able to attach enough assets to move him. The only reason why the Lakers might be able to move him is because his contract at least expires. It's only one year. That's one type of expiring contract where it's a bad deal, but you can say, well, at least it expires. Miles Turner is the other kind of expiring contract, the kind of expiring contract where you wish it was not expiring. You wish that this contract had three more years on it, making what, 17, 18 million dollars per year. You would love it if Miles Turner had three more years on that deal, had four more years. Why not? That would actually increase the value of the deal and increase what teams would be willing to pay. What did we see this summer? We saw Jeremy Grant go for way less than anybody expected. And the same thing with Christian Wood went for way less than anyone expected on the trade market. Why? Because their contracts are expiring and their players that the teams getting them wanted to keep, which meant that the team getting that player had to also budget in or put into the value of the trade that they were going to have to pay this player a new contract. And in some cases, that player is going to want a contract that's bigger than what teams are really want to pay. So they have to add that in. Hey, we're going to have to pay this guy a big deal. We don't know if he's going to be a good contract on this next deal. We can't give up as much in trade. And then we saw 
the Blazers get Jeremy Grant for a lot less than anybody expected. We saw the Mavs get Christian Wood for a lot less than anybody expected. Why does that dynamic not apply to Miles Turner? Who's the rumor is he's going to want more than $20 million per season on his new deal. So for the Lakers, for any team that's going to trade for Miles Turner, you have to factor that in. We've got to now, we're not getting this guy at 17 million per season. No, he's going to want 20, 23, 24 million per season. That's what we're going to have to sign him to from here on out. Why is that not being factored into the valuation from the Pacers side? Sure doesn't feel like it is when you're asking the Lakers to give up Taylor Horton Tucker and take back Daniel Tice, plus give up both first round picks. Now it's a starting point in a negotiation. I understand you want to start high. So you've got some room to actually negotiate down, but still that is a big, big ask. And it does seem curious that the Pacers different situation, of course, Gave Malcolm Brogdon away for a heck of a lot less to the Boston Celtics. Lakers tax? Sure seems that way when we're looking at a deal like this. And it is interesting that we don't see that same dynamic really being applied to Miles Turner here in this situation, who the Lakers certainly wouldn't be trading for just to keep for one season and then let him walk away in free agency. They would have to sign him to a new deal. Now, I do need to get into some of the... um, Oh, somebody's saying my mic is not great. I was so into this. I wasn't uh, wasn't seeing what you guys were talking about there. Let me get into their chat a little bit. Hopefully it's all good. I'll double check on this here. Yeah, it looks like everything is just fine. Well, let me see what you guys are saying here in the chat. And we'll get into this topic. I also need to talk a little bit about a trade that I think makes a lot of sense that got thrown out there today as well. Uh, Mario Hernandez said, as currently constructed, are the Lakers at least a top six team in the West to make the playoffs or the play-in team? I think they're, as of right now, I think they're probably closer to being a play-in team. I've got the probably six seed, maybe five seed if everything breaks right as their ceiling as of this moment. So I would say play-in as currently constructed is probably a bit more likely. Not what I want to be saying. I'd love to be able to say, look, this team's great. This team's going to be fantastic. We're going to have a great season. I just, I still look at this roster and think it's screaming for a trade, right? You've got Russell Westbrook, you've got Patrick Beverly, you've got Kendrick Nunn. That's a lot of guys who act as your lead ball handler, especially when you've got LeBron James already. A move is, it it needs to come. At some point, a move needs to come. This roster is built not to play with Russell Westbrook. This roster is built for other pieces to be brought in, specifically some shooting, perhaps some wing defenders, things of that nature. And, uh, I, I don't think it really fits as currently constructed. Constructed. Uh, thank you for the super chat here. Didn't have a question, but a super chat nonetheless. Appreciate that. Uh, Alex F. said, Jazz LA Miami. Miami gets Mitchell. Lakers get Tyler Hero. I don't know if I can see that. Utah gets none. Duncan. Duncan Robinson. Five unprotected picks. Three from Miami, two from the Lakers. I don't know if I can see that actually coming together and the Lakers walking away with Tyler Hero out of this. Um, where does where does Russell Westbrook wind up going in that deal? The Lakers aren't sending out enough salary to get that with uh, to get Tyler Hero with just Kendrick Nunn, especially since you're going to have to pay him on that new deal. All right, if if there's any mic problems, let me know, guys. But it looks like most people are saying we're all good now. So hopefully it was just a little hiccup there. And now we're fine. Yeah, I know Hero's only five, 5.7 million as of right now. But I'm saying the Miami Heat, you're going to have to pay him on his next contract. And you're not going to be able to give the Miami Heat the kind of value that they're looking for, even if the Heat are getting uh, Donovan Mitchell. I can't see the Lakers walking away with Tyler Hero in this just because they're giving up Kendrick Nunn. Don't think that's going to going to work. All right, let's get into the other bit that I want to talk about here. And that's a trade that I like a lot. So the Pacers deal doesn't make a lot of sense to me. The Pacers deal looks like something that just doesn't work for the Lakers. Like if that's the option that's on the table, if it's you've got to absorb Daniel Tice, you've got to give up both first round picks, your luxury tax bill is going to go through the roof because of the money that you're taking on, I can't see doing that. I can't see as much as I like Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. I can't see doing that. But Eric Pincus 
threw something out there uh, from Bleacher Report mentioned, and Keith Smith and I talked about this the other day on the front office show, that because the R.J. Barrett situation went down with the Knicks, where R.J. Barrett is now on a long-term deal with the Knicks. He signed an extension. That means the poison pill provision comes into play. Bottom line, what that means is the amount of money that the Utah Jazz would have to count R.J. Barrett for in terms of salary matching in a trade is now way different than what the Knicks count him as. The Knicks get to count R.J. Barrett at $10.9 million, which is his current salary. The Jazz have to count him as almost $26 million because it's the average of all the years of, of his new contract. Yeah, that, that makes it really tough to match salaries in a trade because you have to get pretty close to that same number there. And if the two sides are counting a player as such a different salary, it's hard to close that gap and make that work. Very difficult now to trade R.J. Barrett. And as Keith and I talked about, as Eric mentioned uh, for Bleacher Report, that just makes it all the more likely that the Knicks are going to have to find another team to come in, particularly because now they can't really use, they can, I I shouldn't say can't, they can use R.J. Barrett, just very difficult to use him in a deal like this. And they're probably going to need to find another team that can throw in draft capital. And the Lakers can do that if they're moving on from Russell Westbrook. So here's what Eric Pincus threw out. And I like this a lot. This is the trade that Eric Pincus threw out that he thinks makes sense for the Knicks, for the Jazz, for the Lakers. Now, let me clarify here. Let me clarify. This is not a rumor. This is something that Eric said makes sense to him. This is not him saying this is what is being discussed. But I think this does make some sense. I think a lot of fans of other teams would be very upset if the Lakers actually did this deal because the Lakers aren't giving up two firsts in this scenario. Pincus has Mitchell and Rudy Gay, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gay from the Jazz to the Knicks, Evan Fournier, Bogdan Bog- Boyan Bogdanovich, and Cam Reddish to the Lakers, Westbrook, Toppin, and Grimes to the Jazz with Utah getting three to five first-round picks. So one of them would be coming from L.A., so the Knicks would be giving somewhere between two to four first-round picks. And I imagine the number of picks would relate to how much protection was put on those picks by the New York Knicks. I I love that. I love that. Now, again, in general, I like Buddy. If you told me the price is the same, I like Buddy Heald and Miles Turner a little bit more than the players you can get from the Jazz or the Knicks. But if you can only give up one first and get Bogdanovich, get Cam Reddish, who the Lakers, we talk about this, the Lakers tried to trade for Cam Reddish at the trade deadline this past year. Did not work out. Didn't work out because of the Knicks and them demanding more draft picks from the Toronto Raptors. They couldn't figure things out. Couldn't figure out life. Three-team trade falls apart. The Lakers don't get Cam Reddish. That doesn't mean they're not still interested in him, though. So I think that in a three-team deal, it makes a lot of sense that the Lakers still go after Cam Reddish. Plus, you get a great wing scorer in Bogdanovich, who I think can help a lot, particularly with his floor spacing, and Evan Fournier. Now, the downside to this is Fournier is the guy who has two years left on his deal and then a team option. Um, he's the guy that you would really want to be expiring in this, whereas, unfortunately, Bogdanovich and Reddish are both expiring. Those are the two guys you probably wish were on longer-term deals. It's the inverse. Uh, You've got Fournier on two more years. Bogdanovich, Reddish would both need new contracts after the season. But in terms of the skill sets, what you'd be bringing in, plenty of help on the wing. You can say it's lacking in defense. Okay, that's fair. But you're bringing in that shooting. Fournier can at least shoot the three. He's not the best player ever or anything like that. Uh, I would prefer Buddy Heald to him. But it's at least close enough to where you can say, all right, he can give you some floor spacing. And then Bogdanovich, I like a lot as a wing scorer, which is certainly something that the Lakers need. And then Cam Reddish, you get that other prototypical wing player, plus he's young, which helps replace the young player that you just traded away in uh, THT. So I think this is brilliant. If this is the ultimate deal and the Lakers only have to give, give up a first, heck, throw in a second or two if you have to. I still love it. I think this would be a fantastic trade for the Lakers. If you told me you can do that deal, you can get Fournier, Bogdanovich, and Reddish and give up one first, maybe a second, something like that. Or you can do the Pacers deal, and you've got to give up two unprotected firsts, and they want you to take on Daniel Tice. Nah, give me that deal. Give me the Jazz-Knicks deal all day long. And it's feeling more and more like the Jazz and Knicks are going to need a third team to facilitate a trade, especially now that this R.J. Barrett thing went down. So are the Lakers right now really just waiting in the wings? 
you know, it kind of reminds me of this whole Patrick Beverly situation. We were in a spot where the Lakers, the Lakers were talking, obviously, with the Nets, trying to figure out a way to get Kyrie Irving. But the whole time, or at least part of the time, they've got this other plan out there. They've got Patrick Beverly. No surprise that as soon as things fall apart, as soon as things fall apart with the Nets, as soon as Kevin Durant says, okay, fine, I'll come back, the Lakers move on and Patrick Beverly's right there. They've got this deal done. There's no chance that the Lakers and Jazz didn't talk about this ahead of time, didn't get into this conversation ahead of time. Patrick Beverly complained on Twitter about Kevin Durant slowing everything down and about guys not being able to get into their spots and get jobs and things like that because Kevin Durant ground the NBA to a halt with his trade demand. Makes me wonder, while we're sitting here talking about the Pacers and all these other options, are the Lakers really just waiting for the Jazz and the Knicks to figure out life is something already essentially in place that we don't know for sure. And Patrick Beverly has spoken positively about playing alongside Russell Westbrook and the Lakers, every chance they've gotten has shouted from the mountaintops that they would love to have Russell Westbrook back next season, that they're so excited for it. Jeannie Buss called them the best Laker from last season before she walked it back just a little bit and said she meant to say most consistent, but the Lakers to a man have made it very clear that they're excited about having Russell Westbrook back. And yet we still know they're trying to trade him. And with the situation currently with the Jazz and the Knicks, I do wonder if maybe something is already kind of in the works there. If the framework of a trade might be there, but you just got to wait for the Knicks and the Jazz to figure things out and come to their own terms. All right, Andrew P, NBK, NBA 2K23 out in eight days and a roster isn't done. That's true. Have to get an update in order to, to fix that. Infinity Westbrook, uh, you all want to forget the uh, the Portland game where there was no Westbrook. Westbrook was, is the GOAT, and if he leaves, will average a triple-double and should win MVP. I'm sure he'd be thrilled to average a triple-double, but we all know the counting stats are not exactly what matters here with Russell Westbrook, and I'm not even saying Russell Westbrook is a bad player. I think he's a bad fit for this team. I don't think he's the guy that he was. But if you're pointing to counting stats as an indicator of why Russell Westbrook is actually a good player and everybody else is losing their minds about why he doesn't work with this Lakers team, well, you're pointing to the wrong thing. There are times where players can put up stats, counting stats, that make them seem like they're better than they are. And Russell Westbrook, I think, is an extreme example of that. Counting stats don't always show a player's true value on the court. Alex Caruso is the Inverse example of that, where he rarely put up counting stats and yet had tremendous value on the floor. We've seen a lot of players in those situations. Again, I don't dislike Russell Westbrook. If he's on the Lakers this season, great. I hope he has a fantastic season. I hope he bounces back. I hope he proves everyone wrong. And he's tremendous because that would be a ton of fun. We were excited about Russell Westbrook storming up down and down the floor at Staples Center, now Crypto.com Arena, throwing down dunks, yelling and shouting at the crowd, bringing up the energy level. That's what we wanted to see. But we didn't get that. We didn't get that last season, and I'm not, I'm not expecting to see that this coming season. Not going to until we actually see it happen. I'm going to be skeptical that it's going to work. But again, I think if you're looking at his counting stats, that's uh, – that's not really a true indicator of his actual value right now in the NBA. Let's see what else we've got here. Uh, JS Wang, love from Australia. Oh, welcome in from, from Australia. Thanks for the great content. I like the Jazz trade. Those pieces will be movable again at the trade deadline, which provides further flexibility if it doesn't work out. That's also a good point and an interesting point. Because one of the things that the Lakers were lacking at this past trade deadline, how many times did we hear the Lakers trade package? Hundreds, right? And what was that trade package? Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn. Why? Why was it just that trade package? Because that was all they had. Those were the only mid-tier salaries that they had that they could throw out there. Everybody else was either a max salary or a veteran minimum. Really tough to construct a trade without having enough of those guys who are making right around 10-ish, 15-ish million dollars. So this is a good point. Evan Fournier is going to be about 18 million. You've got something similar with Bogdanovich. Cam Reddish is at about 6 million. But you would now have some other salaries to play with. 
in a deal. Not saying that you would make this trade with an eye towards a future trade, but it just would give you a little bit more flexibility because you would suddenly have these salaries that you could stack up in some other kind of trade down the road if you need to. And that kind of flexibility can be important. We saw how damaging it was to not have that flexibility this past offseason uh, or this past season at the trade deadline. See what else we've got here. Oh, lots of questions rolling in. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I've got a lot of people that have been trying to combine trades. So here's Pacers, Jazz, Lakers, three-team trade. Donovan, Heald, Turner, Boyan. Oh, for AD and Westbrook. So you're bringing back, oh, you're bringing in Donovan Mitchell and Buddy Heald and Turner and Boyan Bogdanovich for Anthony Davis. Who's getting Anthony Davis there? Is it the Pacers? Is it the Jazz? But I don't think the Lakers are going to move on from AD. I don't think, number one, I don't think teams will give you the kind of value that you want from AD to the point where it's more valuable for the Lakers just to have him on the floor and see if he can kind of become the guy that they were hoping he can be. And so far, they've been pretty optimistic about the offseason that he's had and what they're going to see from him uh, this coming season. Alex, Fournier has 50-40-90 potential. I don't know if I would go quite that far I, I think he's not a bad player or anything, but that's a very, very high bar to set for him. Uh, carried New York to 37 wins by himself. I don't know about that. That's also probably a bit hyperbolic there, but RJ Randall, 20 points per game each on the lowest uh, efficiency of 20 point per game score in NBA history. Look, I'm not saying they were the most efficient players ever, but I do like RJ Barrett. I am pretty pleased with the deal that the Knicks got. For him, I think it makes a lot of sense for a player his age who's just going to get better, particularly with the rising salary cap. That deal is just going to look better and better as years go by. Look, the best laid plans, we know sometimes it doesn't work out. But right now, I think it's a pretty good gamble by the Knicks. And Julius Randle, I really hope, I really hope that he makes this work for, for him, whether it's with the Knicks, with the Lakers, wherever he is. I'm on Randle Island. I hope that things work out great for him. Josh Farah said, at this point, I'm starting to accept the reality that Russ is back on the roster. Considering the pieces that were added, I think we're going to be a considerably fast team in the league with a somewhat solid defense. I agree, uh, Josh. I agree. I think they're going to be very, very quick in terms of the pace that they play with. We heard a few different players already talk about this, already talk about pace and how important it is that they play fast. We saw that when the new guys got brought in. They want to play fast this season, but they wanted to play fast last year, too, and they did. I want to say off the top of my head they finished fourth in the NBA in pace, but it wasn't very efficient. So there's a couple of things. Playing fast can be beneficial, but you have to do it with great efficiency as well. That's the only way that you really capitalize on playing with pace. But I do agree. This roster is built to play fast. Where this roster is going to run into problems, as currently constructed, is in the half court. So the more stops they can get and the more turnovers they can force, the better. They get out and run. Things are going to go well for them. And that was a problem last season because last season's team was built in a similar way. Now, this series, season's team has way younger legs, way more capability of actually getting out and running and not just playing at a fast pace, but actually capitalizing on those fast break opportunities. But last season's team, one of the problem was they didn't force enough turnovers and they didn't get enough stops. Their defense was getting torched. and so. When you do that and you're taking the ball out of your own basket 
and you have a team that's not constructed to play in the half court, well, you're in big, big trouble. So this Lakers team, it's going to be critical if the team stays as it currently stands, that they get stops, that they get turnovers, particularly live ball turnovers, and they're able to run whenever they possibly can because the half court is not going to be their friend as currently constructed. I believe that will not be the case, at least not to the same degree, if they execute a trade that brings in some shooting. But right now, the half-court offense is going to be a challenge for the Lakers as they're currently constructed, particularly if Russell Westbrook is on the floor with some other guys who are, at best, shaky shooters. So that's something to keep an eye on from this Lakers team this coming season. Rel got to juice. If pinkest deal happens and we are able to keep one first, do you think the Pacers cave and give us Turner or Buddy for the other first? Well, you wouldn't really have much left to trade in terms of salary matching to get that player in, right? Because you would have traded Russell Westbrook. Russ is really the last guy left on the roster that they can trade out and bring back any kind of significant salary. So you don't have, if the Lakers still had Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn to stack up, then we could talk about this. But right now it's just Kendrick Nunn at, at what, $5 million and change. That's not enough to really go get anything. It's not enough to get to Miles Turner. Certainly not enough to get to Buddy Heald. You just can't mathematically make a deal work. So Russell Westbrook would have to be part of, uh, of that. And if you're already trading him in another deal to get Bogdanovich, to get Reddish, to get Fournier, well, then you can't really make this deal work uh, just in terms of the numbers. Now, you could later on down the road, maybe, stack up that you could just trade Bogdanovich, right? Expiring contract in Bogdanovich. You could trade Fournier if the Pacers are willing to take on an extra year there. Then you'd have the salaries. But remember, those guys won't be trade eligible for some time. Now, if you could trade them by themselves, you could flip them immediately. Otherwise, you got to wait 60 days for them to be traded, which is why Patrick Beverly had to be traded by himself from the Utah Jazz. They hadn't quite expired that 60-day countdown from when he was traded by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, C.J. Hines, Trev, what if Danny Ainge is giving trade negotiation info between the Jazz and Lakers to Larry Bird and the Packers? I'm assuming you mean the Pacers. I don't know how involved Larry Bird is still with the Pacers at this point, as I'm not super in detail uh, in, in terms of my knowledge of the Pacers' inner workings. But as I recall, he had kind of stepped away. Um, Danny Ainge giving trade negotiation info. I don't know what Danny would say, but I'm sure he's not going to be, he's not going to bend over backwards to give the Lakers a sweetheart deal. That's for sure. He's not going to be letting the Lakers fleece him in a trade or anything like that. I think we know that, you know, you you go back to the Kevin Garnett trade. Is it any wonder that Kevin Garnett winds up being traded from the Wolves to the Celtics and not the Lakers when you look at Kevin McHale being the guy who was running the Wolves and negotiating there? Yeah, I think that's probably that dynamic is probably something to be concerned about to some degree. All right, let's see what else we've got going on here. Uh, Somebody said. Chris, uh, Trev sent a question. Did you get it? No, I did not see that one. All right. Sent by NFT. Said four-team trade. LA gets uh, LA, Utah, Indy, and New York. Again, when you're trying to like combine trades, when you're taking like multiple rumors and just trying to squash them together, Frankenstein them into this monster trade, it's really difficult because you're trying to satisfy a lot of different teams. But nonetheless, six first-round picks. Oh, my goodness. Uh, four from New York, two from LA, Grimes and Russ to the Jazz, Reddish and a New York first round pick to Indiana, Mitchell to New York, Boyan, Fournier and Turner to LA. Maybe, but again, the more teams you add, the more difficult it's going to be to actually make a deal work, right? The more difficult it's going to be to make something happen here with the Lakers and the um, and any of the teams that are involved in this deal. Oh, I see what's going on with my mic. It's actually pulling from the wrong microphone because this one's having issues. All right, let me see if I can fix that. If my mic sounds a little bit off, it's because it was actually pulling from my onboard mic. So give me just a second. I'll try to fix that. Uh, Patrick Beverly wants to play with Russell Westbrook and learn from him. 
Yeah, I mean, he might. He might, but look, the Lakers have been going out of their way. Uh, it doesn't look like they're going to let me switch it midstream. I'll try going to this one. Um, the Lakers have been going out of their way to try to make Russell Westbrook feel welcome. Patrick Beverly may very well want to play with Russell Westbrook. That doesn't mean, though, that they're making the decisions that the front office is going to make. If you're the front office, you still have to look at things and say, you know what? I don't think this necessarily makes sense for the Lakers to roll into the season with this little shooting on the roster. You're essentially looking at what Patrick Beverly is probably your best shooter right now. Patrick Beverly or LeBron. That's not that's not ideal in terms of floor spacing. And Russell Westbrook needs floor spacing to thrive. This roster is not set up in order to get the best out of Russell Westbrook right now. So that's something that I think the Lakers front office has got to take a real look at. Even if Patrick Beverly says, I'm cool with Russ. I'm totally happy with Russ being on board and I want him to be involved. That is not necessarily something that the front office has to consider when they're looking at trade options. Mook Morris, if we got Cam Reddish in a trade, how much would the Lakers have to pay him? I don't know. It depends on what he would do this year. That would determine what his salary would be in the coming season. So if he came in and he had a consistent role with the Lakers and he's a young player and he can play the wing, he's probably going to get paid a decent amount. But if you're the Lakers and you find somebody that you think is really going to click and can be with you long term, you're going to be happy to pay it. You're going to get their bird rights. That's the thing. When you execute a trade like this, you would get bird rights for Cam Reddish. You would get bird rights for Bogdanovich. So in theory, you could keep these guys and go over the cap in order to keep them, in order to sign them. So that's something to consider, too when you're doing a trade like this, as opposed to using cap space, say, next year. Joey C., it's time to accept that the Lakers won't trade Russ. No more hypotheticals. Start, start talking about the team as it's currently constructed. Oh, you did you you talk to Rob Palenka? I didn't, I didn't know. Oh, they, well, I guess that's breaking news then, huh? No, guys, look, the, the Lakers are going to continue the trade discussions. If you want to be pessimistic and assume that a trade isn't going to happen, that's fine. Look, it may be an easier way to go through this if the Lakers don't wind up making a trade. I know a lot of fans want to see them make a trade. It may be easier from an emotional standpoint to just be of the mindset that it's not going to happen, that no trade is going to happen. And then that way you can be pleasantly surprised when it does. And if it doesn't, then it's what you expected all along. I understand that mindset. But let's be real here. We know that the Lakers are in trade talks. We know they've had these discussions. They're being thrown in as a third team in the Jazz and the Knicks talks by a lot of different people around the NBA. So I don't think it's completely unreasonable to talk about a potential trade happening here. Now, we'll talk, of course, about some of the guys that are on the roster right now and all of that. But frankly, that's what a lot of the questions are asking about is the trade situation too. So again, don't think it's unreasonable to talk about trades when the Lakers are in a lot of trade rumors at the moment. Uh, the Utah deal is better. We need wings, not centers. Yeah, I mean, they do need wings. They do need wings. The question is, do you go with what you need positionally in terms of wing players, or do you go with perhaps the higher caliber player? Think Miles Turner and Buddy Heald together probably offer a higher ceiling in terms of the level they can get to as a player over, say, Bogdanovich and Evan Fournier or something like that. But Bogdanovich and Fournier and, and Cam Reddish, these are easier fits. It's easier to slot them into the Lakers lineup. Miles Turner, what if Miles Turner and Anthony Davis don't work well together? Domitas Sabonis and Turner didn't work well. What if those two guys don't work well together? Then what do you do? What if you decide that Anthony Davis at the center is your best lineup? Then what do you do? Are you going to have, are you going to pay Miles Turner $17 million and tell him you're benched during crunch time? There are some complicating factors. If you're going to bring in a center, if you're going to bring in uh, a guard like Buddy Heald, more, more so Turner, but there are some, there's some questions there in terms of how it would all fit together. Bogdanovich, Fournier, even Cam Reddish, that's easy. Those are easy fits and they're clear needs. Plug and play, off you go. So I understand the, the thought process there. The question though is, can the upside, can the ceiling of a guy like a Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, could that outweigh what the Jazz trade could offer. But again, if you can find a way to get those Utah pieces without giving up both firsts, I'm on board. Oh, we've got a, our Infinity Westbrook fan can predict the future again. Says, you want to blame Russ? I blame LeBron. He's a horrible teammate and doesn't defend. 
well, let's face it, we didn't see a lot of players playing defense last season, including Russell Westbrook and many other players. There were a lot of guys who just didn't bring it night in and night out. Westbrook will give the Lakers 20, 10, and 10 next season. It doesn't matter. He can give the Lakers 40, 20, and 20 if they lose the game. That's the important thing here. That's it. It's This isn't about Westbrook's stats. If he gives the Lakers 5, 5, and 5 and they win, Lakers fans would be thrilled. It's not about the numbers that he puts up. It's about the end result and what he can do to help the team get there. I don't care what the counting stats say with any of the players. It's about what do things actually look like at the end of the game? What is best for the team? A player's own individual numbers don't matter as much. Uh, we've got a comment here that says, I'm so happy LA got rid of THT. What's your thought? I think that this could be a situation where it benefits both parties, both the Lakers and Taylor Horton Tucker, where THT gets put into an environment where he could potentially thrive with Utah Jazz, where he can um, actually spread his wings a bit. And if he's got the ability to do that with this Jazz team, then it could be beneficial to his long-term professional career. On the flip side, for the Lakers, look, Ron Gutterman and I, we did this exercise. We broke down the roster. We went through and we made a rotation for the team. I can't tell you guys how difficult it was to find minutes for Taylor Horton Tucker. And from what we've heard, he was going to be on the outside looking in of the rotation anyway. So that is a big problem if you're the Lakers and you've got all this money invested in a kid who's got potential, who's got upside, and you can't find a spot for him. So I think this could be best for the Lakers in that they get a guy in Patrick Beverly. It's very clear what his role is and how you use him. It's very obvious. He's a plug-and-play style player. You bring him in. You sacrifice Taylor Horton Tucker. We were tr having trouble finding spots in the rotation for him anyway. And Stanley Johnson, who may have been on the outside looking in as well. I like him a lot. I think he should have been part of the rotation. But if the Lakers had him on the outside, then you're taking two guys who you're going to struggle to find minutes for, and you're bringing in a guy who can play major minutes, who might even be a starter for you. And then if you're the Utah Jazz, you get to take that gamble on a young player like THT, and THT gets the minutes, gets the experience that he needs. So I think this could be a win-win for everybody. Win-win-win, really, for the Jazz as well, for everybody involved in this trade. Alex F., was Jeannie wrong to call Russ the best Laker last year? Yeah, but as I mentioned over on Instagram... I buy that Jeannie Buss just said the wrong word. I really think she meant to call Russ the most consistent. I don't think best Laker really fit because I don't think there's any way that you can look at last season and say, oh, clearly Russell Westbrook was the best Laker. Was he the, the most consistent? Yes, absolutely. He was the most consistent. He played in 78 games. He was available. And look, availability, it's important. It's important. Look, we saw LeBron was hurt for a good chunk of the season. Anthony Davis was hurt for a good chunk of the season. That definitely set the Lakers back. Russell Westbrook was there far more often than not. And so he was indeed the most consistent. Was he the best? No, definitely not, not the case. So I buy that, look, Jeannie probably just said, just misspoke when she said best. Her coming back later and saying she meant to say most consistent. I buy it. It makes sense. Uh, hey, Trevor, if you were the Lakers and you never made the Westbrook trade, would you try to get Donovan Mitchell right now? Yeah, I mean, you would certainly be throwing your hat in the ring. I wouldn't expect to get him because of the kind of draft capital that the Jazz are looking for. and The Lakers already sacrificed a lot of draft capital in the Anthony Davis trade, but you're certainly in the mix and you're trying to get yourself in the discussion while knowing that trading for Danny Ainge's star player, asking Danny Ainge to send his star player to the Lakers, not going to be easy. Uh, John Drake, I like the Jazz, Knicks, and Lakers trade for Fournier, Bogdanovich, and Reddish, but add Beasley. Reddish isn't ready to play on the Lakers. The Lakers uh, need right now. Beasley gives you another trade piece. So in place of Reddish, you would still need, well, you'd be getting Fournier. So you'd be getting something from the Knicks. Uh, yeah, I'd be fine if that's the swap. I'd have to go and look at the numbers and see how those would stack up. But if you want to say I'd rather have Beasley than Cam Reddish, I'm not going to fight you on that. Oh, somebody said the mic is clearer now. It's my onboard mic on my laptop, actually. My my real mic is, is out for some reason right now, so I'm going to have to mess with that afterwards. But good job, uh, Apple, for putting a decent mic in that we can flip to in, a, in an instant if need to. Uh, Chris said tomorrow is going to be one more month to Lakers basketball. 
that right? It's almost here. Oh, I can't wait. You know what? Last season, last season was miserable. That was brutal trying to get through last season. And I'm fortunate enough to get to do this. Uh, it's absolutely a blessing. And I, I don't want to ever take it for granted. But I was struggling to get through last season. I know so many of you were too. Trying to watch. My goodness. If you watched every single game like I did, like the guys at Lakers Nation did, you know what we went through. You know the grind that was. You know that was a, a gut punch most nights. We saw the fake comebacks. We saw they get your hopes up just a little bit just to slam you right back down in the ground. That was a tough watch last season. And yet I'm still excited for Lakers basketball to come back. I've missed it. I hope we don't go through another season like last season. I've been calling it the worst season in Lakers history. No, not in terms of their record, but in terms of the fan experience, in terms of the emotional experience of watching those games, that was the worst. And I hope we don't see anything like that again, but I'm still excited about this coming season and the promise that it can bring. All right, let's see what else we've got. Jeremy said, love the show, Trevor. Thank you. I, I truly appreciate that. Said, as I suspected all along, I don't think the Pacers were ever serious about doing a trade. Throw out a crazy offer. If the Lakers accept and they get fleeced, then great. If not, okay. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, you can say, well, it's a starting point in a negotiation. So you're always going to start high, right? But that is such a high ask that it does suggest that the Pacers probably didn't even really want to make a deal. We said coming into this summer that a lot of teams were going to try to fleece the Lakers, that they were going to look at the Lakers as a team that was desperate and they were going to try to take advantage of them. And I think that's exactly what the Pacers were trying to do. For whatever reason, the Pacers and the Lakers just don't get along when it comes to making trades. I mean, look at what happened with the Paul George situation a few years back. The Pacers and the Lakers just don't seem to make good trade partners for whatever reason that is. But I think the Pacers were trying, hoping that the Lakers would be so desperate that they would do something stupid. And that is what that offer was all about. In addition to it, in part being an opening offer in a negotiation, but still that start. Sometimes you start a negotiation with an offer that's so high that you send the message to the other side that there's no deal to be had here. I think that's what happened with the Kevin Durant trade situation. I think that's kind of what that Pacers trade represented as well. Alex F firing back at um, at, uh, <laughs> at the, the Russell Westbrook love from our previous comments. Will Russ throw Coach Ham under the bus after losses? I hope not. I hope not. Um, I don't want to see any player throw a, a coach under the bus or, or anything like that. That's not – you look at – you go back and you look at the Lakers. I told you guys I was watching Legacy right before I came on to this show. You look at the Lakers teams that really had success. What was the, the common denominator there? It was love, right? They loved being together. They enjoyed being together. You don't want to be in a situation where people are throwing each other under the bus in press conferences and things like that, and there's negativity in the air. That can poison a team very, very quickly. Heck, even think about the championship season, 2019-2020. From day one, man, that was such an outlier of a, of a season in terms of chemistry. From day one, it struck me that those guys, they came in day one knowing what their roles were. Every guy to a man, with the exception of Kyle Kuzma, that was the one guy who didn't know exactly what his role was. Part of that was due to injury. Part of that was he was a little too versatile where the coaching staff couldn't quite figure out how to use him. Every other player knew exactly what their role was and was more than happy to play that role. Dwight Howard, if it meant coming off the bench, he was fine with that. Box out, rebound, block shots, cool, no problem. I don't get to play tonight, no big deal. I'm going to play the next game. Whatever it takes for the team to win. That was incredible. That season was incredible, and that's something that we've seen consistently from winning teams throughout NBA history. They've got that camaraderie. They genuinely like each other. They like being around each other. I hope we get that vibe from this team this season. I hope we get that vibe. Uh, VVS said, trade proposal. Oh, the Raptors get Donovan Mitchell, Kendrick Don, the Jazz get Russ, Gary Trent, and two or three Raptors picks, two Lakers picks. The Lakers get OG Ananobi, oh, William Bogdanovich, and Jordan Clarkson. So if you're the Raptors, you're giving up 
what, some picks, Gary Trent and OG Ananobi, and you're getting Donovan Mitchell. That's not bad on the, on the surface. I don't know if the Raptors would commit both their wing players to that or not, if they'll push for this kind of a trade, if they'll go all in to put like Donovan Mitchell next to Fred Van Vliet. Maybe you've got a little, some size concerns in that backcourt, but then again, so do the Knicks with Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell. If you're putting those two together, I don't know if it's a, if it's a Raptors style move, but it makes some sense talent wise. Makes some sense talent wise. Look, if you're the Lakers, you're pretty happy to get a guy like OG Ananobi, Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson. If you're the Jazz, uh, you're getting you're getting the picks that you would want. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Anthony Reynolds, is there any way we can still get Kyrie? Sure, if the Nets decide to trade him. Yeah. I mean, if the Nets, if Kyrie goes to the Nets and says, Hey, do you guys feel like trading me today? And they say, yeah, they can, they could still trade him if they wanted to. It's not likely though, with Kevin Durant staying and, and all that, it, it's very unlikely that they're going to trade him. Most likely what you'll see the Lakers do is if they don't make a deal or if they make a deal and they only get back expiring contracts, they can try to pursue Kyrie next summer in free agency. Now they won't have a ton of cap space. They'll have about 30 million. Kyrie's max will be like 45 ish. 46. So he would still have to take a pay cut to come to the Lakers. But I think that's the most likely path for Kyrie to wind up at the Lakers. I don't think the Nets are going to look to trade him after what's gone on here. Uh, Buddy, Donovan Mitchell, Miles to Brooklyn, Russ to the Pacers. Again, I don't think the Nets are going to move him, period, right now. Not with them just getting through all of this with Kevin Durant. Uh, Nick, why not just send Russ home like the Rockets did with John Wall? Russ has has given many of us high blood pressure last season. LA to cut their losses. I'll tell you why you don't do that. And I've seen that put out there. I've seen people make arguments for why you would do that, why you would just give him the John Wall treatment. However, the reason why I'm not doing that, if I'm the Lakers, it's because of $47 million. If I'm the Lakers, I want to make sure I exhaust every single option before I decide that I'm going to pay Russell Westbrook $47 million to sit on his couch. I want to make 100% sure if I can't find a trade that I know that it cannot work. So as of this moment, unless Russell Westbrook is coming in and telling me, telling Darvin Ham, no, I will not do any of those things. I will not set off ball screens. I will not focus my energy on defense. I will not camp out in the corner three. I will not do any of that stuff. I'm going to play Russell Westbrook basketball. If that's his attitude, then yes, you're justified in sending him home. But that's not what we've heard. That's not what we've heard. We've heard that he is willing to try and do the things that Darvin Ham wants him to do, that he's excited about it, that he's on board. And if that's the case, I'm skeptical that it will work. A lot of Lakers fans are skeptical that it will work, and rightfully so, but you need to find out for sure before you're going to go down that road and pay him $47 million to sit on the couch. You need to find out you've got a new coach coming in. You have to at least give him that chance. Now, I'm not saying you waste half the season trying to find out whether or not Russell Westbrook can work. You've got to figure it out pretty quickly, but you at least give Darvin Ham that opportunity and you give Russell Westbrook that opportunity to prove that it can work. Again, I'm skeptical. I'm not going to believe it until I see it actually work on the floor. I would not expect it to work, but $47 million is a lot of money to pay someone to sit on the couch and not do the thing that you were hoping that they would do. So I'm giving him that shot. I'm giving Darvin Ham that chance. I'm giving Russell Westbrook that opportunity. If if a good trade does not appear. All right, let's do a few more here before we call it an evening. Vector Nova said, you know, if THT pans out, he will just add to the long list of drafted Lakers that flourishes elsewhere. I just want some of these guys to stay. I'm scared that we lose Austin and Max in the next three years. Well, the good thing is the Lakers in terms of Austin Reeves are at least protected by the arenas rule this next year. Uh, everything we've, I've, I haven't heard anything about Austin Reeves, not being happy, being a Laker or anything like that. I've heard nothing negative in that regard. So, um, I think the, I agree with you in that there's something about watching a player develop over the course of their career. Like I said, I just watched legacy. We got to watch magic Johnson from the moment he came into the league until his final game. And then he even made a comeback What five years later, there's something special about that. Going even further, we got to watch Kobe Bryant for 20 years 
We got to watch 20. We go, we got to watch Kobe Bryant from airballing threes in the playoffs all the way to 60 points. His incredible final performance. We got to see all of that. There's something that there's something special about that. There's something magical about getting to see a player's entire career, about getting that that connection as a fan base of riding those highs and lows with them, fighting through everything with that player. That's your guy. So I understand it. I understand people are disappointed when the young players move on because you do develop that attachment to the player. And I'm hopeful too that these guys will wind up sticking around. Um, I think the post-LeBron era will be a bit different in that regard. Well, right now, look, the Lakers have LeBron. You've got to capitalize. You've got one of the all-time greats on your roster. You've got to do everything you can to win right now. And so we've seen the young players kind of get churned through. But I'm hopeful that the next iteration of the Lakers will see a little bit more of an eye towards long-term growth and development and stability year in, year out. I mean, look at how many different players the Lakers have churned through each season, each year has looked so different. In fact, the championship year and the year right after when they brought in Montrezl Harrell, Marcus Saul, they brought in Wes Matthews, you bring in all these other guys that, that came on board, Dennis Schroeder, that team actually probably looked the most similar to the team, to the LeBron team the year before it. And that team had a pretty large amount of turnover. Last year's team looked vastly different than the season before. The first year of LeBron, that team was just about wiped clean for the next season that continuity isn't there and that can have an effect on fans too, where you don't necessarily develop that attachment to the player. So I hear you. I think that the post LeBron era, we may see the Lakers go back to a mindset where you start to, um, where you start to take the, the long-term view of a player. Uh, Ayaz said, in your opinion, gut feeling, which team does Russ get traded to, Knicks, Jazz, or Pacers? I'm going to say Jazz right now. It feels like that's the direction we're going to the point where I almost, like I said at the beginning, I kind of wonder if there's already kind of the framework of a deal in place where the Knicks and the Jazz are just kind of figuring things out and they know the Lakers, This is these are kind of the pieces that will be involved with the Lakers. I wonder if that, if that's out there. Again, not saying it's this is me completely guessing just – Feels like that's the more likely outcome right now is the Jazz. Uh, and what would the Lakers get in the most likely scenario? I, I love what Eric Pink has suggested. If you're only giving up one first-round pick and you can get Bogdanovich, you can get Cam Reddish, uh, Evan Fournier, fine. Yeah, let, sign me up. I'm, I'm in on that. Christopher, Lakers will be better with Westbrook at home rather than on the floor. Thoughts? Russ leaves his feet without a plan, throws the ball into the stands. Yeah, you could make an argument that the Lakers, just in terms of chemistry in terms of spacing in terms of the way the pieces fit together the team makes more sense with Patrick Beverly at the starting guard spot instead of Russell Westbrook in terms of skill set is Russ the better player yes Russ is a better player than, than Patrick Beverly Russell Russell Westbrook is a former MVP he's an all-time great he's one of the top 75 players ever he's amazing right but he doesn't fit what this team brings and he's not quite the guy that he used to be so I understand the argument that a player like Patrick Beverly that's not quite as good as Russ might yield better results overall within the team structure. That's certainly possible. But again, I need to find out for sure. I need to find out for sure before I'm going to send Russ home to sit on the couch and earn $47 million for that. And again, that's if a trade doesn't materialize. Alfonso, Pacers, Pacers deal is the only trade I want to see the Lake, see making the Lakers contenders with the fit or Kyrie somehow. Would you overpay or run it back. If it's both first, you got to absorb Daniel Tice, all of these things, unprotected picks. I'm probably just going into the season with Russ on the roster. And I know that's not the answer people want to hear. We've heard trade rumors all summer. People want it to culminate into something, but, and that would just perpetuate it. Then we'd be hearing Russ trades all the way up to the trade deadline. But if I'm the Lakers, I'm not doing what the Pacers asked of me reportedly. If that's really what they asked, I'm not doing that. I'd rather just bring Russ into the season and then see. Who knows? Maybe some maybe some player with a long-term deal gets really upset with their team and demands a trade. And next thing you know, there's the Lakers sitting there with a giant contract that's a get-out-of-jail-free card on long-term salary and some draft picks. Could be in a situation like that. Worst case, you always can go back to the Pacers midseason. If it just doesn't look like that's going to happen. But that's not something I'm willing to pull the trigger on right now. That's too much of, a, of an ask from the Pacers. 
Uh, Avi B, for the Jazz, would one first-round pick max or one first-round pick – oh, Max Christie – or one first-round pick and two first-round picks get it done? Maybe. I don't – Pink has had one first-round pick, and if that's it, great. If I have to throw in a second, sure, you're probably willing to do it. I don't think the Lakers would want to part with Max Christie just yet. I think they would rather give up a second-round pick than Max Christie. And if the Jazz are willing to do that, sure, throw in a second-round pick. Uh, Alex F., how was Houston able to make Russ work with Harden? Uh, they weren't. That's why the Lakers beat them in the playoffs. Uh, they tried. They did everything they could. Houston traded away uh, Clint Capella in part. And look, Clint Capella and Russ did have some chemistry, but in part because they wanted to space the floor. Essentially, Russ became kind of their center, not really their center, but um, they spaced the floor. They went super small, everything they could to try to maximize Russell Westbrook's potential. The Lakers can't do that. If you want to go, look, the best case scenario for the Lakers, the best version of the Lakers is not doesn't look the same as the best version of the Lakers for Russell Westbrook. For Russell Westbrook, you need the floor spread. You need shooters all around him. So he's got tons of space and driving lanes to the basket and all of that. That's what you need. For the Lakers, though, the ball in Russ's hands means it's not in LeBron's hands. The Lakers, the better idea is the ball in LeBron's hands. And then you work from there. And that team looks different. Russell Westbrook off the ball doesn't quite work. So Houston did everything you possibly could do to make it work with Russell Westbrook and James Harden. They went to extremes. They played with no center. They traded away Clint Capella. But the Lakers can't do that because we've hit a point where doing the things in order for Russell Westbrook to do Russell Westbrook things, to put up a triple-double, it no longer equates to winning basketball. There was a time where that was the case, where, look, get the best version of Russell Westbrook and you're going to win some basketball games. That's not the case anymore, at least based on what we saw last season. Who knows? Maybe he bounces back. And if it happens, great. I would be thrilled to get to tell that story of the L.A. kid coming back and having success with the Lakers. I was hoping that was a story we were going to get to tell last year. But I'm going to be skeptical until we actually see it happen. All right, we'll finish up with this one. We'll finish up with this one. Looking back at it, if the Lakers picked Tatum instead of Ball, uh, would have would he have gotten traded in the AD deal? Knowing what you know now about Tatum, would you still do that? Keep up the great work, Trev. Good to see you back. Well, thank you very much. I, I truly appreciate it. Thank you for the, the super chat. Uh, good question to end it on. So if the Lakers had drafted Jason Tatum, you're a couple of years into the Jason Tatum experience. Are you willing to part with him in an Anthony Davis trade? Maybe. But if you are, like if you are willing to, to part with Jason Tatum, you're not having to give up much. Like you're not giving up pick swaps down the road and, and uh, 2024 or 2025 first round pick. You're probably not giving, you know, you're, you're talking about just putting in salary filler instead of all the stuff instead of Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo, right? Like you're not having to stack up as many things because of the value that comes with Jason Tatum. So if you did the deal, it's possible. If you did pick Jason Tatum, it's possible he's still in the AD trade because let's face it, Anthony Davis, when he's at his best is really, really, really good. But my guess is the Lakers would do everything they could to put together a package without including Jason Tatum. And that might mean you just simply don't get um, Anthony Davis, but I mean, if you had that team, LeBron with Brandon Ingram and Jason Tatum, that's the wings you would have. You might not need Anthony Davis in that scenario with the team that you could build there. Uh, Muhammad, which three players with expiring contracts would you like back for Russ? Not holding back any picks that you can sign next season by going over the cap. Uh, expiring contracts, Bogdanovich would be great. Cam Reddish is fine. Uh, who else could be an expiring? Another big deal from maybe the Jazz or, or something like that. Derek Rose, I think, can be turned into an expiring. That wouldn't be bad either. But I'm not going to worry about I'm going to worry about the quality of the players the Lakers are getting. I'm not worried too much about preserving cap space for next season. I'm only worried about that if there's simply no trade to be found. I'm willing to sacrifice some cap space for next season because I don't think the Lakers are going to get the max guy out there anyway with the amount of money they're going to have. I'd rather focus on just making the right deal right now than focus too much on preserving all that cap space for next summer. All right, everybody. 
Thank you guys for joining me. Appreciate you for coming in. Make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Let's keep our fingers crossed here. We'll see what happens with the Lakers over the coming weeks. Training camp coming up at the end of September. And then the Lakers are going to be back in action for preseason play. I'm already making plans for that. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. All right, everybody. We will be back live on Fun Friday, 2 o'clock Pacific time coming up on Friday. Hope you join us for that. Till then, everybody. See ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.